John 3.16, we learn it. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've learned that verse at least. I would hope that we could say yes and amen. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. If you've ever just stopped and pondered, meditated on the love of God, if it wasn't for a loving God, we wouldn't know anything about Him. If it wasn't for a loving God, even if we knew about Him, we couldn't approach Him. If it wasn't for a loving God, we would have never received the most precious gift that humankind can receive. And it's not money, it's not wealth, it's not prestige, it's grace. It's grace. Thank God for the love of God. There are many in this world, even today, that serve a God, little g, that serve a God, and that God hates the people. You go, how in the world can you do that? It's out of a fear for the God that they serve the God. But it's the exact opposite. The Word says that the mystery has been revealed to us, that we don't serve a hateful God, we serve a loving God. And how do you know that He's loving? It's because He's reached down to me. And the Word even goes even further Christ Himself pouring everything that He has into His disciples just hours before He is arrested. And He looks at them and He says, Love one another. And how is the world going to know that you are My disciples? It's by the love that you have for one another. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll be looking at the first 12 verses. I want to read verses 1 and 2 and we'll pray. Under the title this morning, A Call to Holiness and Love. A Call to Holiness and Love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 reads like, this. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we give you by the authority of the Lord Jesus." Father, as we come into this part of the service, Lord, I ask that You move upon us that are here. Lord, we say this every week, but we mean it with the abundance of our heart, Lord, for we understand that if we don't hear from You, we have done all of this in vain. If we don't hear from You, God, we have no hope. Lord, I ask that You fill us with hope today in the reading of Your Word, in the preaching of Your Word. Fill this vessel, O God, once again with Your anointing so that I may speak truth. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. We've been going through this book in this series, uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, and we have 
gained some knowledge as we've went through these four chapters into the what the church looked like. Just like every other church, just like every other Christian in this biblical period, they're under persecution. They're being persecuted by both the Jews and the Gentiles. They're being persecuted from without and persecuted from within. And uh, Paul and Timothy and Silas uh, get a report back through Timothy, if you remember, that although this persecution is happening, the church is flourishing. And we've, we've even read scriptures where Apostle Paul himself is saying, as it comes to witness, I don't have anything to tell you, but you're doing it. When it comes to church fellowship and love, there's really not anything I can tell you because uh, you're doing it, right? If you are a reader of your word, 1 Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica looks a lot different than, say, the church in Corinth where Paul is writing this letter from. Where, where the church in Corinth, First and Second Corinthians, if you read that, there was chaos happening in the church, right? Paul writes a well more extensive letter to the church in Corinth than he does to Thessalonica. And, and the only reason for that is there's more to teach in Corinth than there is in Thessalonica. And we can say yes and amen. And as I began to read uh, these scriptures and, and look, we're preaching to us today, right? I know it goes out onto the interwebs and, and, and we all go out our different ways and we talk about things, but this is our local assembly and our church, and, and we're speaking to us today, and I begin to ponder as I'm praying over everything. We I start on this end, and I pray over here, and, and we all have our assigned seats, even though they're not assigned, right? So it's easy to pray over uh, different ones, and and I begin to just thank God for what we have in in this church, and this isn't a pat on my back or a, a pat on your back, but it is it is. Uh, glory to God that we have communion and fellowship and He's placed us together. And, and I begin to be even uh, like Paul and, and pray to God and say, thank you for this aspect of the church. Thank you for this aspect of the church. Thank you that we have this here, that we have love here, that we have holiness here. Thank you for all of this, Lord, and help us to continue. Did you catch that in the first verse? We're looking at the church in Thessalonica that Paul himself says, you are doing great. As it comes to following the Lord, as it comes to emulating Christ, y'all have it. Like, you got it. This is a very amazing letter. I, I, would, I would just almost leap for joy to receive a letter about our church that said the things that Paul says to Thessalonica, right? But listen, this is where we're at today. I know, like, not an eye roll or anything, but a title like The Call to Holiness and Love, you're like, yeah, of course, right? This isn't anything new this morning, but, but I want to pour into you encouragement as a body of Christ that we are doing what we're called to do to continue on, to press on, to learn more, to do more. Because this is what Paul tells us. Look, finally then, brethren, we'll go ahead and read the 12 verses and hopefully I can preach a little bit this morning. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you, uh, as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God. And then this parenthesis, 
just as you actually do. So it's not that they're not doing. Amen? We can say, whew, thank you, God sees what I do. He, he sees that I am, I am trying to emulate, that I am trying to walk in the best way that I can. I am stuck in this moral, corrupt flesh, but I am trying. Anybody's ever felt like I just, I'm trying? Oh man, I fell again. Lord, I'm trying. You ever prayed that? That is such a prayer. It really is. God, you, I know you see me. Here I am again. Lord, I'm trying. That's a good prayer. That's a good place to be. To understand that you're less than, but to know that I'm more than I was. I'm trying. Lord, I love, but help my love. Lord, I'm seeking Your holiness. I'm trying to be holy as You are holy, even though that's impossible on this side of earth, right? Anybody thinks you've achieved holiness like Jesus is holy? Like God is holy? Like when Moses is receiving this from Yahweh, from the am that I am, and he says, be holy because I'm holy. But yet at the same time, what joy and what comfort in my soul, although I can look in the mirror and I can see the man standing there going, you ain't it yet, sucker. But I'm not what I was. 17-year-old me and 35-year-old me, by God's grace, I'm changed. I'm different. And I'm being made different. I'm being conformed, the Word of God says, into the very image of the Son Himself. Paul said, you're doing it, but I do have some instruction. And we're getting into that part of the letter, and it's going to be most glorious to us. So four, verse 2, four, you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus. So Paul is saying it wasn't, wasn't what I wanted, you know, said. It's what Christ has given us. For this is the will of God. So this is going to be pretty important, right? You start off a verse like that, for this is the will of God. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Lord, what's your will for my life? What, what, is, what is it that I need to do? Well, Paul's about to give us a little insight. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You like that? You want to know what God's will is for your life? It's to be sanctified in the Son. It's to grow in Christ. That's His will for your life, is to be like Him. Here's the, here's the cool part about that. Is the Word says what about God's will? His will will be done. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, right? Lord, let Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day my daily bread. Give me what I need to fulfill Your will. And what is Your will? It's for You to work in my life. Isn't that glorious? That God of all creation, the God of the universe, has willed that you be sanctified. You know what that means? It's for us who are saved, He isn't going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you alone. Does that say that I never sin again? Absolutely not. Does that say that God pricks my heart every time I do? Most certainly does it say that He breaks me from time to time and conforms me? You know what the word conform means? It, it, it's not pleasant sometimes. 
It means that I'm made to be. In other words, if you really ponder on that, sometimes I don't want to be. This flesh certainly doesn't. This flesh certainly doesn't. What Paul is showing us here is uh, there is a call to holiness both in the physical and the spiritual. There's a call to purity both in the physical and the spiritual. And there is a call to brotherly and sisterly love in Christ both in the physical and in the spiritual. Sometimes I feel like it, it's, it's almost easy to be spiritually okay. You go, what? Well, no, that's the struggle. Yeah, but God is working on that. Right? The, the change happens, but the application of that change, that's where the work's at. To, to transfer what's happened in the spiritual and for it to manifest itself out in the physical, right? So I know the commandment, I need to love God as I love myself. But how does that translate into this physical, moral body? I know that I need to love my fellow brother and sister, but how does that translate out into the physical? The struggle is putting to work what you know to do is right. I know what I need to do to plant a garden. Now, I don't have a green thumb. I have, I have the thumb of death. I inherited it from my dad. We barely can grow tomatoes in a bucket. Like, it's just where we're at. I know what I need to do, though. But to, to, to make that actually happen, it requires a lot of work, doesn't it, Brother Gene? Brother Gene knows what he, he's already figured out in his garden, what, where's going to go what, what grows good with what, how I want to do it. But until he actually goes out, or somebody actually goes out and makes it happen, you don't have a garden. You can have the best garden you ever want in your mind, but you'll never grow anything if you don't physically plant a seed and water that seed, and weed that garden, and make it grow. You'll never have fruit if you don't apply what you know. A call to holiness. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that, you, uh, that each of you know how to process, or possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the manner because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification." So that he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel more, there it is again, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not in any need. Twice, first with holiness or sanctification, 
and then again with love, Paul is telling the Thessalonians that you are doing the work, you are being formed, you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your salvation is at work, fruit is being produced, but continue on. Don't quit. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Praise God that some of us in here have decades, decades of being with the Lord. You, there's no plateau to this. You, you say, well, I'm old and I'm frail and, 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 and my life is passing by. Continue on. You may be here this morning and you say, well, I haven't been saved very long. I, you know, I, I've only got a couple months, a couple years under my belt. Continue on. Learn every day. Be changed every day. Don't feel like you've got it figured out. Am I saying to walk in despair and anxiety? Absolutely not. Walk and do what you know to do is right, the Word tells us. But I don't know everything yet. Where's your ambition? What is your will for your life? Have you ever asked that? Okay, God's will for my life is to be sanctified. What is your will? I want to be sanctified. I want to do the will of God in my life. What does that look like? Well, we always go back to those same three things. It looks like a healthy prayer life. Because I can't do this in my own. It looks like a healthy reading life. I need to receive instruction and God has given it. And it's a healthy application of those things which God speaks to me in my prayer life, which God shows me in His Word. And you know what it always comes back to? We make this a lot harder than it needs to be. You know what it always comes back to? If you love me, you keep my commandments. What did He tell the Sadducees when they come to Him and said, Teacher, good teacher, masterful teacher, they always had a lot of words for him. They never called him the Christ, if you notice. They never called him by his name. They, 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 they always called him something less than. That's why he says, you ever wonder why he says, why do you call me good? No one's good but the Father. Well, first off, because it's true. Jesus is God, right? But you have to look at the person who's, at, who's calling him good. Good teacher. The rich man. Good teacher. What was the rich man's definition of good? It wasn't, it wasn't God's definition of good. Because Jesus asked him, because what was his question? How do I inherit eternal life? That's a good question. Lord, we need, I need to know that. I like what I'm hearing. I like the fact that I can be saved and not, not condemned. I like the fact that I can be blessed here and, and not, not in in need of anything. I, I like the fact to know that if it gets so bad around here that I have a God who, who, who says that we would be in need of nothing. That sounds amazing. Awesome. What do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, what have you done? Right? So let's start there. Because he's already perceived that this man doesn't understand. He thinks Jesus is good because he's done good things. So that's exactly what the rich man says is, 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 well, I've kept the commandments since my youth. 
Wow. That's, I can't. I have to put an X right there. I ain't done that. Kids, do you know? You know what one of the commandments is? Honor your father and mother. Have we done that? Perfectly? <laughs> Absolutely not. I fail. I fail. That kicks me out automatically. I'm not good. And we can go down the line, each one of them. We, we never get past number one because I still, even in my salvation, I don't love God like I should. I can't. Not yet. But I'm being made that way. So he says, I've kept the commandments. I've honored my father and mother. Right? Jesus says, well, that's good. Go and read the passage. He says, that's, that's good. But it ain't what you need. And then, because Jesus knows your heart, right? He, he goes straight to it. He goes straight to it. And he says, you're pretty rich. And this really has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with what his heart was. What had him? What had his grasp? What was he pursuing? And he said, just go sell everything and follow me. Now, if you're not careful, you'll perceive that if I just give away my earthly possessions and live in poverty, then somehow that's going to manifest God in my life and He's going to come down to me. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go give away that thing that has you and then follow me. He gives that rich man the exact same commandment, the exact same invitation, the exact same opportunity that He gave every single one of His twelve. Follow me. Follow me. And in the grander context of things, what he was really saying was, lay down your old life, pick up your cross, follow after me, daily walk in my way, and you will be saved. Is that not, is that not the Gospel? Be careful. Be careful what has your ambitions, what has your sight, what has your mind, what has even your physical aptitude. What do you go after? We watched a movie last night and, and uh, oh, Overcomer. I don't know about the cross-country girl. One of those Christian movies. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But in that, this man asks the coach, who are you? Who are you? And he said, well, I'm a basketball coach. Right? He says, well, if that gets stripped away from me, what, who are you? He, he said, well, then I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a father and I'm a, I'm a husband. And, and he said, God forbid, if that gets stripped from you, what, who are you? Of course, you can see the anxiety in this man's, but it should be catching you to who are you this morning? We put a lot of things and finally he says, well, I'm a white Caucasian male. Can't strip that from me. And he says, let's get a little more specific. Who are you? Finally, the guy says, well, I'm a Christian. And the man says, what does that mean? Well, I'm a follower of Christ. And he said, that's pretty funny how far down the list that is. And it, of course, in the movie, it just broke the man and he couldn't even start his truck. And he was just it made him think. But in your own life this morning... Who are you? What makes you what you are? What 
do you identify as? What is your identity in? It better not be what you are around here. I'm not a water worker in a waterworks. I do that. That's not who I am. You understand that. I, I, am, I, I am a father. I am a husband. But that's not what I identify as. That's what I get to be. That's my responsibility here. That's my good stewardship here. I'm a pastor of a church. But that's not what my identity is. If you have your identity in something and it's stripped away from you, what are you? Well, if your identity is in that thing, then you're nothing, right? That's the problem with this world is is they identify as X, Y, and Z. And when that thing falls away, there's utter despair. There's no hope because there's nothing left. That's what I was. Let us find our identity in Christ. Let us reach out and accept the call to holiness. A call to sanctification. Paul does, uh, really did the work for me this morning because he not only lays down the biblical teaching, but he actually gives us some application here too. So what does that look like? You say, I'm striving to holiness. What does that look like? Well, according to Paul, who got his teaching from Jesus, it looks like loving one another. It looks like we got back to the Sadducees. You thought I forgot about them. The Sadducees asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Trying to trip him up. Because if he said it's this commandment, it's commandment number four, if this is the greatest, then the Sadducee could say, well, what about commandment number one? Or what about commandment number three? Right? He could have he got him. But what Jesus says is, this is the greatest commandment. And he starts with number one. It's number one for a reason, right? God, if you go back to Exodus, He gives Moses the tablets, and He starts and He writes, right? So if God started with commandment number one, that's probably a pretty good place to start. But what is commandment number one? Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. And almost as if the Sadducee was about to open his mouth and say something, Jesus says, but the second is just about the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, in these two is wrapped up the whole law. You want to keep the law? You want to live in holiness? There's only two things that you have to do today. You have to love God with everything that you have. Every single thing that you have. You have to fall into Christ. You have to be a Christian. Not by title only, but in will. And what does that look like? If you're doing that, there's something that comes out of you. Life begets life. There's something that's birthed in you, and then it comes out of you. And what it is, is the love of God. And it manifests itself in many different ways and and many different avenues, but it's something supernatural. Because when it's working, when you're actually doing the stuff, people in this world start to pay attention. Have you ever thought, why is that? Something so easy, so simple to us. Have you ever just been doing 
doing life, right? You're in Walmart, you're buying your groceries, you're fighting kids, you're, do, you're just doing. And then without even thinking sometimes, because, oh, beforehand you've prayed and you've read and, and you've been living this life of holiness and you've been doing all this stuff and you're being sanctifi- sanctified. <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know what I was trying to say there. Sanctified. That God just uses you and it may look so simple as just standing in line waiting for your turn to pay for something and then, and then you just realize, I need to pay for that person's stuff. Or I need to help this person to their vehicle. So something so simple, but it seems to be so impactful for that person. Has God ever used you like that? I pray that He has. I pray that He does. And you may even struggle with it some. So I need to pay for that person's groceries. Like I already got several hundred dollars in my bread and milk and cheese, right? But you do it. It's a struggle. And you do it. And God moves. And it's got nothing to do with the groceries. It's got nothing to do with what you did. It's got everything to do with the heart of the soul of the person. It's love, y'all. It's what it is. So it's a call to holiness, a consecration. It means to be dedicated, to devote one's life, to, to be completely committed to. So in marriage, we consecrate ourselves to each other, to, to be completely devoted to to be completely committed to, to to be dedicated to the nourishment and flourishment and growth of a relationship. Till what? What do we say? It's very rapidly leaving even the marriage ceremonies, but till death do us part. You know what that takes? That takes commitment. That takes commitment. You mean I, I, I'm, I'm consecrated to this person for the rest of my life? You better mean it. You better will in your life that that's going to happen because I promise you it's not easy. We, we don't have to. We can all say amen if you want to, but if you've been married for any amount of time, has it always been easy? Not if you're doing life right. Right? We butt heads and we... We tangle. We, we were talking about this yesterday, last night. I think it was on that movie again. It, the, the, it was just absolutely nothing. Just the husband was having a bad day and he brought his mess home and it, it caused strife in the house and now the wife is having a bad day and the kids are like, mom and dad are at it again. You know, what in the world's going on? And then a few minutes later, mom and dad get back together and they're like, we're stupid, we're sorry. This has got nothing to do with us. Right, and me and Tad, I think Tad looked at us. It's like, how many times do you think we do that? It's like several, several, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment. So we need to be committed to sanctification in our own life. That's personal. That's for us. But we need to be committed to love because the love thing is not personal. It's not personal. It's selfless. You see how Paul has put this together and how how it makes sense. What is application? What is the application of sanctification in your life? It's love. That is the fruit. 
You say, well, I thought there was, there was a lot of fruit. There is, but there is the fruit of love. Everything comes out of love. So I ask this, do we truly love one another in Christ as, as He loved us? Because that's what we're called to do. Are we willing to put other need, others' needs before our own because that's what we're called to do? Do we strive to love one another wholeheartedly even when it's difficult? Because that's what we're called to do. Live a quiet life, he said. Work with your hands. That's not super hard. He didn't say go climb Mount Everest and yell me from yell God's name from the mountaintops. Like I wouldn't be able to do that, right? But I can strive to live a quiet life. Does that mean a life of seclusion? No. That just means I try and love people the way I want to be loved. That I try and treat people the way that I want to be treated. That I do my best not to make waves, right? That I just live in God's grace and His will. And to work with my hands, don't be idle. Why? Because Christ was never idle. He's our example. Idleness. Idleness. It's not good. Do a word study in, the, in your word. Idleness never has good benefits. Ever. Closest you get is waiting on the Lord, and when you define out that word, that doesn't mean idleness. That means working and doing. Doing what you know to do is right. You say, well, I'm in a season of my life where I don't really know what I need to be doing. God, God had me doing this and it seems like I'm in a transition. Glory to God. Do what you know to do is right. Continue on. That's what Paul tells the church at Thessalonica. You're doing great. Continue to do that. Don't stop. Almost as if he's asking them to just persevere to the end. To endure to the end. Because what's coming up next is Christ's and His return. So what Paul is gearing up to do and to tell us as we close, you, you could come, Brother Josh, as we close this morning, what he's gearing up to do is to prepare us for the coming of Christ. And how is one prepared for that? By loving God with everything that we have, by striving to holiness in this life, and by perseverance trying with everything that we have to love everyone around us in hopes to the bible says in hopes that god would save some of them amen let's stand this morning <clears throat> these altars are open this morning i pray that this is encouragement for us it's not that we're not doing the stuff it's just an exhortation to continue in holiness. Amen? Father, we thank You for this time that we've had, Lord, for the Word that was brought, O oh God, even the use of me, O oh God. I, I thank You for that. Now I ask that You move upon us, O oh God, that You solidify this Word in our heart, that You make it a firm foundation in us with Christ being the chief cornerstone, O oh God, that we can fall into You more, that we can serve You more, that we can love You more through Your Spirit, O oh God, and that we can turn around and love others the way that we have been loved. Lord, I ask this in Your name.
Amen.